This is Psalms to God, Season 1, Episode 6, Fruit of the Spirit, Love. You can find the transcript for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com slash love. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 CSB podcast today I am going to be talking about the fruit of the spirit specifically love and I asked my friend Devin to come join me because it's a deep and complex topic and uh, I don't feel like I'm an expert on it so I felt like I needed a friend to come help me out and come talk so uh, hey Devin how's it going I'm doing good how are you I'm, I'm good I'm good um do you have any like initial thoughts about love and I don't know why I called you up to talk about this topic? Well, when you asked me to do this, I don't feel like I'm an expert on love either. Um, but I think that love is something, like you said, it is complicated. And I think that it affects our lives um, in some good ways and bad ways. And it's something that we all have to deal with you know, as we grow in our personal lives. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. So for those who don't know, I'm in a group chat with Devin and one of our mutual friends. And I feel like we talk about love a lot in this group chat. The third person will be coming on the podcast for another topic later on. Um, But I feel like we do a lot of talking about it. So that's one of the reasons why I picked you because... Yeah, (laughs) because we're always talking about it anyway. Maybe we might as well go ahead and talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) Um, I know that like the older I get, the more I realize that, like we said, love is complicated. And there are so many different types of love. There's like the love between friends. There's, you know, romantic love. There's familial love. There's just a lot of different types of love, right? Yeah. Um, but there's also different ways that we express love. Right. And so I started reading up on like love languages because I thought Mm -hmm. it was really interesting because we, we understand love in very different ways. Um, are you familiar with love languages? I am familiar with them. I feel like actually you might be the person who introduced me to love languages. (laughs) I can't, I I can't remember. I feel like it was like a Facebook quiz or something. That's true, yeah. I always do the quizzes, and even when I start relationships, I think I sit down with whoever, you know, over the years I've sat down with whoever I was with at the time and taken the quiz, and we compare results to figure out <laughs> how we should, like, deal with each other. That sounds like a good idea, actually. Maybe I should start trying that. <laughs> I think it helps, and I can read them if you want me to. Sure, go for it. Yeah, so this is just this uh, something I Googled. You have words of affirmation, which we would describe as you know, kind words or 
supportive words or words of reassurance in some way. Then we have physical touch, which can, which can range from things like a high five, hugging, kissing, and so forth. We have receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like to get gifts from their partners or someone that they love. We have quality time, spending time with someone on acts of service, which I would think of things like, um, you know, washing their car for them or <laughs> doing their chores for them or helping them in some way that they didn't expect. Yes. Yes. I loved reading about love languages because I never really thought about it before. I did realize that, you know, there could be disconnects. Like I remember when I was a kid, my dad tried to throw this surprise party for my mom. and It was a disaster. My mom did not like it at all. And I was like, but he tried so hard. Like, but my mom's love language is not definitely not surprises but she doesn't really like gifts she would rather I think she's an acts of service type of person she would rather you just do something like the fact that he cooked dinner or the fact that he you know cleaned the house before she got home or something like that and I think that was my first introduction to seeing it in action right and I think with the uh, people older than us you know our parents age I think that they didn't talk about these things as much you know, I think these things are a lot more popular nowadays because I've seen the same disconnect in my parents as well. Yeah. Yeah. And with that particular topic, uh, I'm actually not very fond of surprises either. And, <laughs> um, receiving gifts, I think that's my lowest one. And I would be I would be pretty upset if someone threw a surprise party for me on my birthday and that's not what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took the test. Receiving gifts is actually one of my lower ones too. Um, I think I tied for quality time and acts of service. Okay. And when I thought about like how I treat other people, I was like, oh, that's true. If I like people, whether it's like friends or, you know, like romantically, if I take the time to like spend time with you or I don't, I'm not like, oh, I got to, I can talk to you, but I got to be gone in like 30 minutes, then that means it's a special person. Um, Because I typically value time the most and of course everyone likes when somebody just does something unexpected for them did you figure out what yours was you said it wasn't gifts yeah so my top two are definitely physical touch and quality time and i think they've been pretty 50 50 like they're equally tied with one another um and then everything beyond that just sort of drops off i think my third one was um words of affirmation then followed by acts of service and receiving gifts. I don't really, I don't need the gifts. I think it's because if any, if I want something, I'll buy it for myself. And True. I usually handle everything that I need to take care of. But when I'm interested in someone, I definitely want to spend time with them and just interact with them. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the way I, I express myself. That totally makes sense. Um, as I started thinking about, sorry, bubbles just crawled into my lap. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently hers is physical touch and quality time. (laughs) Um, As I was looking at love languages, one of the questions that came to me is that um, since love is one of the fruits of the spirit, it's something that, you know, we, we read about like God being love and we're supposed to be expressing love because God is love and things like that. I wondered if God has a love language and what that love language would be. Like, have you ever thought of that? Like, do you have any guesses? 
so I've thought about love from the perspective of God, how God shows us his love. And I would say that the way I think about it is that God loves us in a sense of that he accepts us for who we are, no matter mm-hmm. what, and that he gives us unlimited forgiveness in a sense. Right. And if you thought about somebody, if you try to love as God loved, I mean, it'd be pretty hard. If you imagine loving someone, no matter what they did to you or how they treated you, I mean, that can be pretty hard. Yes. It can't. Yeah. We as people, we, we struggle hard right. with that. Um, but I went digging and I was like, let me look at, you know, the love languages and see if I can figure out if God has a love language or if he speaks all of them, because it would make sense. God is the ultimate, you know, he's the definition of love. Right. And I actually found that he speaks all five of the love languages to us. Um, so we have acts of service, right? Um, in, I think it's Exodus 14, there's a verse where God talks about how he fights our battles, right? So that would be an act of service. It's something we don't have to do because he's willing to do it for us. Yeah. And then of course, giving gifts, God gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us talents. He gave us life, all of these things. Um, quality time. God gave us, uh, the ability to pray and to, you know, he, he desires us to come spend time with him. Obviously that would be quality time. Um, there are plenty of words of affirmation within the Bible where God's, you know, like we're fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, God loves us for God so loved the world that he gave, you know, his only begotten son. I guess that's also a gift. Um, the hardest one for me to understand was physical touch, but he did send Jesus in the flesh. Um, so some people did get to touch Jesus and then he spent us, sent us the Holy Spirit who's supposed to dwell within us, which is a form of physical touch. Right. And I thought that was really cool that, you know, even when you try to translate it, it's still like he's speaking the language so that nobody gets left out. Like everybody can feel loved perfectly when speaking to God, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense and i've never thought about that i mean it would make sense that god is a symbol of the perfect love so of course he should be able to speak to everyone in all five of the language yeah Yeah. so amazing um and it it kind of made me wonder how often like you know i went through all the effort to figure out like what god's love language was but then i was like do i ever take the time to Think of my friends, my family, people I'm dating. Like, like you said, you actually take the tests. Um, yeah. But I, like, I've never actually taken one of those tests <laughs> with someone. It's just kind of going through it, winging it, hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, how has that worked out for you? Like, has it improved your relationships, would you say? Yeah, I think it definitely helps. Um, back when I was in college, I had a pretty big disconnect with someone that I was dating for a long time, um, you know, mine. I said that mine top love languages were physical touch and quality time. I think that hers would have been um, words of affirmation and quality time, and probably acts of service somewhere in there. So we were kind of flip flops mm-hmm. in the way that we communicated, but we never really talked about it. And so 
we would get into situations where she would want me to say things to help her feel better about it, but I didn't understand that that's what we needed to do. Like we just, it just, the communication was off. Even if I thought I was saying the right thing, it just wasn't communicating what she needed at that time. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would happen. I feel like when I was younger, like when I was in college, I feel like I didn't know my own love languages. So I, w- I don't think I would have even been able to verbalize what I needed, if that makes any sense. Right. You're just like, sure. you're like, I don't feel loved and I don't know why I don't feel loved, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> right. And I think it's one of those things where we have to learn, like you said, learn ourselves over time and learn to be aware of it with everyone else that we're going to take with us uh, you know, throughout our lives that we're going to interact with for a long time. Definitely. I, um, I remember I was in, was in a group having a conversation with people and they were talking about how easy love is. And they were like, oh, love is so easy. All we have to do is love each other. And in my mind, I was like, but it's so hard. Like, yeah. it sounds easy, but it doesn't feel easy. Yeah. Um, so, so there are some books that I was reading. I don't have the specific title of the one that I'm trying to reference in my head, but if I get it, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, and it speaks about love as an action instead of being a feeling. I think yes. something that we're taught when we're young and growing up, we see all these movies and shows and it looks like everyone is in love or we see a couple and they just feel the love that maybe it was love at first sight and they just felt this amazing connection. And we're, yeah. you know, sort of sold a dream in that <laughs> way. When really love, or what I think of it as, and what this book was explaining is that it's something, it's an action that you have to make a choice to give to someone. Yes, I definitely agree with that. The whole of that. Like, I remember um, when I first, I don't know, I guess when you first start getting like crushes on people, um, I remember in the beginning, like, you know, there were the guys that I had crushes on that, like, I couldn't even talk to them. I'm like so nervous because, you know, it's the feeling, it's the butterflies and the excitement. But then as I got older and you actually start to process that, you know, what Disney has sold us is a lie. um, I realized (laughs) that the strongest relationships I had were the guys that I was friends with first. And it was really, like you said, it was a choice to go from being friends to being in a relationship or liking that person because it's not just like the feeling of being in love or like the butterflies or whatever. It's based on like both people choosing to love each other. It's it's definitely a different thing to get used to because it's not what's shown on TV at all. Right. And I think what you just said about being friends is important to think about um, if you think about the love triangle. Mm-hmm that people have so that butterfly and you know crush and sparks that's just one part of this triangle so that would be like the romance part romantic feelings and then you have i think the other parts are intimacy or like being friends like you said Mm -hmm. and then there's the commitment and if you have a relationship like a romantic relationship without any either of those three then you sort of are missing something in a sense right Right, and that's when things get a little messy. One of the other things that I guess, you know, we talked about 
a little bit when we talked about like acts of service, I guess, but how things are, I don't know how to word this. Um, when you love someone, whether it be romantically or even if it's just like a friend, family member, it doesn't really matter, any type of love, how things become easier, like to do things that you wouldn't necessarily do, it's easier. Like for instance, um, you know, say you have like a sibling and it's one o'clock in the morning and they're stranded and they need you to come pick them up. And like, usually you're like, nah, bro, I am in the middle of some good <laughs> sleep. I ain't got time for this foolishness. But you know, if you love that person, like you will be worried about them. So you will rush to their aid. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've noticed this in, even in myself, like I've been having conversations with somebody like say like a coworker that, I don't want to say I don't love them, but you know, like you don't really have like a relationship with them. They're just like an acquaintance and they can be talking about something. And I'm just sitting there like, I really wish you would shut up. I don't want to hear any more of this, but then I can talk to somebody who is like a friend or, you know, somebody that I'm interested in and they can be saying the exact same thing. And you're just like, yes, tell me more. Tell me more. I can sit here and listen to you all day. Have you noticed that like shift in your personality around the people that you love? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, when you spend some time with someone that you're interested in, you know, in a romantic way, it may, like if they have a hobby, for example, that mm-hmm. you're not really interested in, something you would never do on your own, you'd definitely be more willing to try it yes. just because they're doing it. Yes, I definitely. <laughs> and so the first time I ever went to a Starbucks, I think it was the first time. Okay, maybe it was the second time. I'm not sure. But I went for a coffee date because, you know, they were like, oh, let's go get coffee. I don't drink coffee. But I was like, sure, let's go try this anyway. (laughs) And so I like you definitely find yourself um, doing things that you wouldn't normally do. Right. Yeah, I think I was just taking that thought and then applying it, you know, outside of the romantic love sense it like you were talking about a coworker. if you take that same thought and apply it to your neighbors and those around you you know i think the bible says that you should love your neighbor mm-hmm. um, if you think about everyone else around us in the world if we try to open our minds and hearts to them and just treat them with a little bit of love then it would allow us to connect with people that we might otherwise be closed off to absolutely that's yeah. Yeah, that's definitely where, like, my train of thought was going. Um, When I first, I don't know, I guess when I was younger and when I first started believing in God, I didn't really think of what God likes or, like, what what he's interested in. Kind of how we said, like, if you were interested in a friend, in a romantic partner, whatever, suddenly you start doing things you wouldn't normally have done. Yeah. Um, But... I was like, oh, so like, as you get closer to God and as you start to love God, you should start to love the things God loves. So you should start to love people more. You should start to have compassion for, you know, the homeless, for the poor, like, you know, the less fortunate, whomever, and want to give time to the things that God values, essentially, right? Right. I I agree with that. That's definitely... Yeah, that's what you should go for. Yeah, and I don't know. I I mean, I've felt changes in myself. Um, I think I used to be 
I feel like I wasn't really a compassionate person um, to people that I didn't know, like personally. And now I've found that when I see other people cry, yo, I be balling. Like I cannot watch somebody else cry. It doesn't matter if it's like on a movie. It doesn't matter if it's like I'm just passing by and I see somebody standing on the side of the street crying. I'm going to start crying too. And it was like a really interesting shift um, for me personally. Because I I was like, what's going on with me? Why am I crying? I don't know why they're crying. So why am I crying? Um, And I just, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Like an interesting manifestation of love because i mean the only re- i feel like the only way you can feel somebody else's pain is if you love them yeah and yeah have you have you ever had any weird so like i ask you what do you think that so you're you being closer with the lord led you to be able to have that type of connection with people i think it is um because it didn't start until maybe like two or three years ago uh i feel like before that I don't want to say I was like, I had a cold heart, but I mean, certain things just didn't bother me. I was just like, oh, they're having a bad day. I'm sorry. And it's like, in, in a way, like, like I feel bad for you, but it, it wasn't anything that would make me like stop and be like, Hey, are you okay? Like, do you want to talk or anything like that? I probably would have just kept going and been like, oh, I hope they feel better. Um, and I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it, but, but slowly, um, as I started, digging deeper like I started reading the bible more things like that praying more all of a sudden I noticed like every time I'm seeing people crying or something I'm like I feel compelled to go ask them like are you okay do you need anything would you like to talk and like I'll start crying and I'm like why am I crying I'm not a crier (laughs) that's really beautiful I think that I'm still in the phase that you described yourself at before like (laughs) I well first I would say I don't think I cry very often I can probably count how many times I've cried in the past five years, but, you know, I would definitely stop and talk to someone that I know if they were crying, but I do get that feeling of like, it doesn't, I feel like I don't have as much empathy as I should. Yeah, I definitely know that feeling because it, I don't know. I didn't really think about it until afterwards because I would think back and I'd be like, oh man, I was kind of like cold hearted, but you know, in the moment it was just like, oh, I'm sorry. But, like, I'm happy. (laughs) And I just thought it was interesting um, because it was a new way of looking at love for me. Because, like, we talked about in the beginning, that's definitely not what they show you on TV. Like, when I think of love, I don't associate sadness or, like, feeling the other person's pain with Mm -hmm. the act of love. And I guess that goes back to the whole choice. Like, you're, you're choosing to experience their highs and lows. Mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and that was that was a very unexpected shift in my perspective of love I guess um yeah I guess that puts flesh to the phrase good bad happy and sad <laughs> you have to go through all of it together if you're going to make that choice to truly love someone yeah yeah um and it was interesting because I feel like as we get older we I guess we hone in on love more it, yeah. it becomes more, uh, I don't know, prominent in our lives or something. Um, just as we're like navigating our way through the waters or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we 
like you said, we, we start to focus in on more on love as we get older. And I think it's interesting to, at least for me, it seems like we all come from different starting places. Like the things that happened to us when we were children have a large impact on how we can love later on in our lives and how we think we're supposed to feel love. Yes. It's interesting because I read a study, I'll have to look it up to cite it, but I read a study about how um, for men and women who grow up in abusive homes, so like men who had an abusive father and women who had an abusive father are more likely to end up in those situations. So like a woman who grows up with a mother who was abused is more likely to end up in an abusive relationship and a man who witnessed his mother being abused is more likely to become an abuser. And it didn't seem intuitive because I was like, oh, I would think that you would want the exact opposite. Like you would know what you don't want. Um, But I feel like the article was talking about how you internalize that as a way of love, of, of expressing love or expressing anger in a love context and that because that's what they've been taught um that's what they act out as they grow up and I thought that was really interesting because it made me kind of stop and think like oh what have my parents taught me about love or like what what have I picked up just by watching the adults that I grew up around maybe not even your parents but maybe your grandparents or your aunts and uncles cousins whatever yeah and um that was pretty interesting um yeah i i've been seeing examples of that in my own life too and i think over the past couple of years i've been experiencing that firsthand and feeling the effects of or maybe realizing the effects that my parents had on me as i grew up yeah yeah i um when i took the love languages test and i saw my results i was like I actually think my mom would have similar results. And then I wonder, like, are these my results because I learned how to love from my mom? Okay. You know, or like, is is it unique to me as a person or is this strictly like because this is what I grew up seeing? Um, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if those would be the same for my dad, but I've definitely seen that the way my dad shows love to my mom is primarily through acts of service. He does give a lot of gifts too, but um, it is primarily through acts of service and quality time. So I was like, oh, um, cause you know, I grew up in a house where um, I, I don't really like, people don't really throw around like, I love you a lot in my house. Okay. So, so like the whole words of affirmation, that wasn't really like a thing. Um, in fact, I don't actually remember my mom telling me she loved me until I went to college. I'm sure she did. (laughs) I'm I'm sure she told me that at some point, but, um, it wasn't just like a big thing where, you know, like some families, like, you know, every time they're on the phone, they're like, I love you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that wasn't really a thing in my family. And I've noticed like, you know, when I talk to people or if I'm in a relationship, that's not really like an inclination for me to like tell people things. And um, it doesn't like when people say it to me, like, yes, it has meaning, but it 
I'm just like, okay. Like, it's not really, like, the big deal that some people make it out to be and, like, the way I feel. And I was just like, I wonder if that's solely correlated to how I was brought up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If I take that same line of thought from my own life, I would say I took parts from both of my parents. I think my dad definitely, maybe similar to yours, he communicates through acts of service. Mm -hmm. He feels like if he does things for the family, that's his way of showing love. And my mom is definitely a physical touch and quality time type of person. She was, I was an only child, so we were like best friends and we would just (laughs) spend time with each other and basically play. (laughs) And then I think about how that's influenced me, even in the types of women that I'm attracted to. I've noticed that I'm, I used to say I don't have a type like all the women women that I've like look completely different but when I think about their personalities they're all very strong-willed or strong-minded women which definitely comes from my mother yeah that makes sense there is right I think there's a saying that um, men fall in love with their mothers and women fall in love with their dads okay and um I I could see some truth in that like um I'm definitely attracted to guys who also communicate through acts of service, which is how my dad communicates. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, because I think we learn the expression of love from what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess we we imitate the parent that is, I guess, the same gender as us or something. I don't know. It's like a really complex thing but it's kind of cool when you look at it you're like oh I turned into like a little mini person of my mom or a mini person of my dad um but then at the same time it's scary because you're kind of repeating right yeah yeah (laughs) and you're just like oh um and I, I, I guess that's one of the things that I thought was really cool when I discovered love languages because I feel like it's a way to help us not make the same mistakes like um you know like taking the effort to figure out like other people's love language and to know our own love language to be able to communicate better and to show love better. I think that's like a revolutionary thing. Right. I think also that stresses the importance of being, having some relationship with God or the church when you're young so that you have had been exposed to, you know, God's love and having felt, his perfect love in some way that you know so that when you grow up you can be able to express that to others there's a verse that talks about um loving others because christ loved us first um and or us loving god because god loved us first and then in turn loving others um and i just like you said i think you have to feel perfect love before you can express any love um because we we tend to kind of screw things up <laughs> um, mm-hmm. unintentionally. And I, I don't know, like both of us in the beginning said we didn't feel like love experts. Um, I don't really know if anyone feels like an expert. Um, right. Maybe if we go find somebody's grandmother who's been married for like <laughs> 70 years, <laughs> um, they, they may claim to be an expert. But I don't know, even when I talk to my parents, they'll... You know, my parents have been married, I think, 30, it'll be 36 years. Wow. Uh, Maybe 30, ooh, actually, 
might be 38 years. I don't know. I'm sorry, parents. I don't remember how long we've been married. They've been married for a long time. They've been married for a very, very long time. And even then, sometimes, like, I'll hear them say, like, I don't know. I just don't know what's going on. And, um, right. you know, it's, it's kind of weird because as a kid, I thought they had everything figured out. Like, and I was like, yeah, when I get older and I get ready to get married, I'm going to be able to ask my mom and dad and they're going to tell me everything I need to know about marriage and now i'm like oh so y'all don't actually know y'all just winging it (laughs) my parents are still going through it i feel like i've actually (laughs) had better relationship success than i I mean they have they definitely made the choice to stay together a long time but Mm -hmm. i feel like within like solving an argument i feel like i'm better at that than my parents (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're just like oh okay so everybody's just winging it cool cool (laughs) Okay, we're winging this stuff together. Um, but I think it's it's kind of beautiful um, in a way. I feel like if there was an absolute like manual, like do this, do that, do that, it wouldn't be so magical, you know? Yeah. That, that might be a little bit of the hopeless romantic in me coming out. A little bit, little bit of Disney creeping back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I did have another thought that was really interesting. So I read this book. Actually, it's a series of books. It's called The Circle. Um, It's four books. And the premise of the book is way too much to explain. But essentially, there's a part of the book in the beginning where the author envisions like a perfect world, like the world if the fall had not happened and people had still multiplied. So there's like... A whole community of people who live in an unfallen world and in this world people fall in love with anybody like basically the main character who appears in this world who's from our world um his first contact is with a woman and she chooses him and the people there are like oh now you have to pursue her and he's like but i don't know her How do I know that I would love her? And they're like, of course you love her. Why wouldn't you love her? She chose you. You choose her. And it's it's so simple. And when I first read it, it sounded bizarre. It's kind of like um, like they have the show Married at First Sight and and stuff like that. Like it sounded like that. It was like, oh, so you like you just walked up to somebody at random and you were just like, that's the person I'm going to love. And it and it just goes. Um. But the more I read the book and the more I, I thought about it, in a perfect world, I actually think we could fall in love with anyone. I actually agree with you. I had this argument with people over many years. Yes. Several groups of people. I agree. I believe that that's true because let's say, you know, we said that love is a choice. So if two people made the choice to be open enough to love one another, I don't know what would pull them apart. If they were open to fixing all of the problems that they ran into and they took the time to learn one another's love language and they worked on building their lives together, I don't really know what would be stopping them besides insecurity or doubt about the future or some external influence. And I think that's what plagues us nowadays in a sense. You know, if you're with someone and then we have, you know, social media and you're seeing all these other couples and all these other what ifs 
you get all these ideas in your head of what else you could do with your life or who else could you be with. And I think that hurts a lot of love and relationships these days. Yeah, that's basically the same thing that I came away with. Um, I leaned heavy towards like insecurities and um, like faults that we have. So for instance, like, um, uh, like you mentioned with social media, not just seeing other relationships and comparing your relationship to their relationship. But I feel like we live in a society that is um, very concerned with physical appearance. Um, yeah. And that goes, I mean, it's a two-way thing in, you know, being attracted to people because of physical appearance, but also feeling insecure about our own physical appearance. And I feel like those things play heavily into how we seek out relationships right um but of course in a perfect world you know everyone would think everyone was beautiful like and so there would be no insecurities it wouldn't be like oh i'm not gonna approach him because he might think that i'm too skinny or he might think i'm too fat or you know like he might not like the texture of my hair or you know like all of these like tiny things that keep us from approaching certain people or um whatever like those wouldn't be factors Mm -hmm. um and i mean even beyond physical things like monetary things you wouldn't have you know gold digging um you know people wouldn't be searching out people solely for monetary purposes or whatever but it like it kind of blew my mind you know we live in a society where we you know you date um for extended periods of time, most people date, you know, a good like year, two years before they are engaged and they're like engaged for a year and then they get married. So like the idea of just like randomly selecting somebody and being like, that's going to be the person that I'm going to love forever. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Like what I was reading in the book, I was like, that's crazy. Um, and of course, the first thing on my mind was this whole married at first sight thing, which I still haven't seen it. I kind of want to watch it now that I've realize that that's not quite as crazy as I thought it was but um I think that it I think I've just watched that show in particular but I think that you know given that you know we're we're talking about physical appearance if we somehow equate that so physical appearance is going to be okay and that's checked off (laughs) it's not a factor I think that those relationships could probably work out yeah yeah I've I've been watching another show not have you heard of 90 day fiance no, I haven't. So the premise of that, that show is sort of similar that they don't get married at first sight, but they have to get married very quickly because it's usually they pair um, an American with a foreigner. Oh. And then they have basically the night. It's based on the 90 day K-1 visa. So once, once the international person comes to America, they have 90 days to get married before they have to be deported. Wow. So there's a lot of pressure to fall in love with this person. And they may have been dating for years, but now that they're there in person, it just gets really tense and sort of the same thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother level of pressure, though, because, you know, getting deported, it doesn't sound fun at all. That's, right. that's, that's some steep stakes right there. It's, right. And I know it sounds crazy, but the more I thought about it and the more I think about these types of situations where people are just kind of thrown together and expected to fall in love with each other over short periods of time and form relationships, I started to think about how this should play out in terms of other types of love and in terms of other types of relationships like friendships. 
Specifically, the Bible tells us that we should love our neighbor. And I always thought of loving your neighbor as being like love a stranger, which I guess is really weird because growing up, all of my neighbors are family. So I don't know why I associate the word neighbor with stranger, but I did. And so I always thought that that meant like, oh, you just you're supposed to have some sort of um, passive love for these people that you don't know. But as I started thinking about this concept and as we talked about, you know, love being a choice and being able to love anyone, I started to realize that neighbor and friend should be synonymous because you should be able to choose to love anybody you come into contact with. And so I thought that was really interesting because I never really fully comprehended the concept of love your neighbor in that manner not just like oh you know sure I should love them in this general sense of love where it's like I don't hate you but like actually bestowing the same type of love and compassion and making the same choices towards those people that you may not know as well or that you've just met that you would make towards people who you just naturally became friends with and I think that's pretty cool I think that's something we could all Um, work towards and of course like I said we don't live in a perfect world so it's a little bit more difficult because those people always have the choice to not love us back which makes it more difficult to carry out that action Uh, sometimes you just don't get along with people but I think that's where it comes down to it being a fruit of the spirit it's the holy spirit in us that um, gives us that ability to love without the holy spirit we're unable to to love those people, particularly when they don't love us back. So I I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was an interesting thing too. Um, Well, before I let you go, do you have any closing thoughts or any other things that you wanted to add to the conversation? Um, I would encourage everyone that listens to this to challenge your own views on love and keep an open mind to the way that other people think about love as well. I think that having a closed mind to, you know, the, everyone's different experiences that we talked about in this podcast, that everyone's coming from a different background. So keeping an open mind to everyone else will help us all become closer. Absolutely. That's, I think that's perfect advice. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. I really appreciate you being here and, uh, helping me through this topic. Um, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. Um, yeah, so thanks for tuning in, listeners, and I will talk to you guys next time. So as I was editing this episode and listening to it and having my little mini panic attacks about whether or not I said the right things or you know whether it was good enough to be released, I realized that it just felt very incomplete. And I think the reason that it felt incomplete to me is because at no point in the discussion did I ever bring up 1 Corinthians 13. And I didn't do it on purpose because I feel like it's such an obvious chapter. I feel like everyone knows 1 Corinthians 13. I feel like even non-believers probably know passages from this chapter um, because it's quoted so often. You see it in decorations. It's just so prominent. Um, I felt like I would be wasting people's time to like spend time on it or to to talk about it. 
But after I read it, I just felt like it was so incomplete because that chapter really defines what God thinks of love and how perfect love that comes from God is supposed to be. So I decided that I was going to add it back in. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is the Christian Standard Bible version. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now, we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. But then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 